Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm so glad that you are joining us today on this, again, yet another sunny Friday afternoon. Scott and I are coming to you from his front porch, so you will hear the sounds of nature and humanity in the background. And possibly a leaf blower, though they seem to be done. That's right. We had to wait for a guy to finish his leaf blowing ways before we could start. Andy's leaf blowing neighbor followed him. <laughs> he came over That's here. right. He came over here with his leaf blower. He did it earlier today with his old leaf blower that was quite loud, and it was really difficult for me to concentrate at home, if I'm being honest. Was he just like giving you the finger with his leaf blower? I mean, purpose? yes, it was the auditory finger. Yes, <laughs> that's the that's the equivalent. Yeah, just like come at me, bro. Yeah, come at me, bro. Uh, Bailey is not with us today. It is her wedding anniversary, and she and her husband are celebrating, so she can't be here, uh, but for a very good reason. Congrats to her and Rod. Uh, and Scott and I, honestly, we don't have an agenda today. We're just going to make it up as we go along. We've never done that before. <laughs> this is how we did the first 300 or so episodes <laughs> of our podcast. No, that's just kidding. We, I think most weeks we usually have some sort of rough outline. And in fact, we texted a few ideas today. But uh, the real thing, I think, Scott, we should talk about, we should like pull out of uh, Oklahoma bubble politics and government here and Let's for a moment at least look down upon our state in the context of the broader electorate and what's happening across our country. I know many of our listeners know that you and I are both fans of the 538 Politics Podcast. I highly recommend. Uh, and I recently, uh, my, my daughter's going to a different daycare, so I actually have a commute now. So I'm catching up. I'm back on the podcast wagon, and I'm caught up on 538. I don't know, though. Do you listen to it? right now have you listened to it recently it's it's been a minute i'll be honest um of late most of my uh podcast time has been devoted to ou football so uh, oh yes i've, I've been uh pre- preparing as we've been in the preseason and then the first the first week of the season so i'm not i'm not i i've listened to i think i've listened to the maybe not the two most recent but two recent ones looking at um the recent special election results as well as um kind of dis- discussing what it looks like the impact of like Dobbs maybe um yeah etc on the electorate so um i've i'm i'm not completely caught up but i'm not i'm not entirely absent either right well good okay so you're halfway there yeah whoa you're half okay so um so maybe in in with that context then let's talk about where the country is politically right now and i mean that <laughs> not just in shambles, right, but <laughs> highly contentious, but that it seems like, and 538 has released their new models, right, and all the pollsters now are switching over from likely voter, no, from registered, registered voter to likely, to likely voter, yeah. so I expect that we'll see a number of new polls, national polls, and even in-state polls come out over the next week or two. When, when they make that switch to likely voters, that tends to that tends to portend a a shift in the R direction. That tends to favor the R's a little bit. Right. Um, Why is know. that? Because they're I mean, more likely to vote. Yeah, the R's R's typically are are more likely to show up to the polls. A lot of that has to do with demographics. Um, when you think about um, kind of what has been traditionally, and when I say traditionally, I mean for the last thirty to forty years the prototypical Republican voter, you know, thinking about someone who's maybe a little bit older, maybe retired, um, more free time during the day, or someone that's kind of on, you know, they have a job where they have the freedom to leave their job and vote during the day. 
as opposed to someone who's a, a shift worker that has to has to take an hourly pay cut um, to 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 vote. You just Republican voters tend to be a little bit higher propensity. So likely right. likely voter models tend to um, I don't want to say favor because it's not wrong, but likely voter but, models tend to tend to favor the right. R's because yeah, older folks tend to vote more reliably and they tend to be Republican. Indeed. Right. Well, that makes sense then. Um, so given that we know that, uh, and I, I don't know if that's makes the polls more precise necessarily, but I, maybe it just reflects who's most likely to vote. And I mean, I've said this on the podcast here, right. A couple of weeks ago that I, my estimate, right. Like this, my, um, prognostication, Nostradamus has spoken (laughs) is, uh, that we're going to, that Oklahoma's turnout will be. 989,000. I don't know what I'm plus or minus 5%. I don't know how to put a uh, brackets on that, but that's that's Andy Moore's guess. Man, that's still that's disappointing. It is. I mean, I, if it's over a million, like that's good for the state. Hang on, you got a neighbor in a hot rod. No, it's a UPS so truck. That's the UPS. It sounds like a hot rod. It did. He sounded like he was driving a 68 Cougar there, but uh anyway, um so that's my guess. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's it's ironic that I'm I'm prognosticating a very low turnout while simultaneously working really hard to increase turnout. So if I'm wrong, let's hope it's my fault. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean I I think I think that I think this will be a high turnout year for Oklahoma, but even in a high turnout year in Oklahoma, our voter turnout is disappointing. We have yeah. One of the lower voter turnout rates um, um, in the nation. Now, one thing, and we don't know what we don't know what's going to happen with this yet. One, there is one big thing that could uh, substantially influence voter turnout um, in November, um, and it's pending. We don't know how it's going to. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Is it the state question? It is for the marijuana legalization. You know, I saw a statistic today that is relevant to this. That um, when you analyze the factors that would influence turnout uh, in favor of one party or another, like which kind of like big races, right? So U.S. Senate versus governor, all these things in a midterm race, the impact they have on turnout, ballot initiatives was the single one that had the biggest impact for Democrats. And it would boost like, I, I guess, a, a democratically supported ballot initiative on average will boost turnout for Democrats 7.5%. That is absolutely fascinating. It does not surprise me that ballot initiatives are the most likely to boost turnout. It, it, I guess it intuitively makes sense that they might boost turnouts for the Dems more, but that's still interesting that empirically that appears to be, that appears to be the case. Well, and I, I think- would have assumed, I would have, just, I, I would not necessarily have assumed that there would be a partisan, and a, a part a partisan advantage there on ballot initiatives uh initiatives but um yeah and i will admit i have that tab still pulled up on my computer at home i haven't read the whole thing but it did i mean just that number alone right if if that's the average seven and a half percent it like the the range <coughs> was up to nine and a half or something yeah. um in a election where some key races like the governor's race uh-huh. might be as close as you know three four five percent uh-huh. well suddenly we understand why they f- you know one party might fight tooth and nail to keep it off sure the ballot sure 
Sure. You know, and the, the governor's race is shaping up to be really interesting, you know, um, and and this is uh, I'm going to credit um, Ben Felder from the Oklahoma for this observation. Um, but it is certainly true. You know, we're seeing more and more ads um, in, in the gubernatorial race here in Oklahoma. And it is becoming clear that um, Joy Hoffmeister, Joy Hoffmeister is running against uh, Kevin Stitt, who is running for governor to get another term. Um Kevin Stitt is running against Joe Biden, who, as far as I am aware, is not on any ballot in these United States um, in in the year of our Lord 2022. I don't think Joe Biden is a candidate for elected office right now. Um, he is still, of course, the president. But, uh, um, you know, most of, of Governor Stitt's um, fire has been trained squarely on uh, Joe Biden. That's true in other statewide races. Um, I honestly, I haven't seen any advertising for uh, for um, uh, James Lankford. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen anything from his campaign at all. I'm sure something will come, but I think he feels pretty comfortable where where he's sitting. Um, in what I have seen from Mark Wayne Mullen, Mark Wayne Mullen is is targeting Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and AOC and all the other people that aren't on and never have been on a ballot in, in Oklahoma, um, whereas Kendra Horn is certainly running pretty hard against uh, Mark Wayne. You know, I, I wonder, and I, I don't know if it's enough to turn the tide, um, this whole fiasco... At, uh, at 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 former President Trump's um, Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, you know, I wonder if that's as we learn more. I wonder what kind of impact that is going to have. You know, obviously there's there's going to be twenty twenty five, maybe as much as thirty percent of of certainly of the Republican Party, maybe of the electorate that is that you know probably is true Donald Trump could shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and and they'd still vote for him for president um I do believe that there is still a a a pretty significant cohort of more traditional national security Republicans for whom this just absolute reckless handling of I mean just incredibly sensitive information has has got to really turn their stomach um and 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 to see folks like mark wayne just be so vociferous in their defense of former president trump does that turn those people off from voting for him does it turn enough of those people off of voting for him that it could make a difference in the race i think probably it doesn't but i do I do wonder. I mean, I saw this week that some of the, there's there's at least some of these documents that like um, there were there were like laying in like a desk drawer or like a cardboard box at Mar-a-Lago in a closet. Um, that not only are these documents that would only be like viewed inside a skiff, so a secure compartmented information facility, right? Like the most secure place in the government. These documents weren't just kept in the skiff; they were kept in a safe inside the skiff right right like they're in a safe inside the secure secure compartmented facility yeah like this is not like this 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 is not small stuff um so i don't know i don't know if i don't know if that's going to matter in in the senate race um 
I don't know if it's going to matter in the in the governor's race or not. I think well, I think it probably won't. But. Yeah, I don't know either. That uh, I think it was on this week's episode of Five Thirty Eight actually to reference that again that they were talking about like the impact of some of these things and and it sounded like if I'm remembering correctly that you know it certainly depends on who the voters are you're talking about. So the most partisan voters are not going to be affected, right? So like. Hardcore Dems or hardcore Dems, hardcore Republicans or hardcore Republicans, and so they're not going to vote for the other person regardless. Will they stay home? Uh, that's a good question. I don't, because I guess polling doesn't always indicate likeliness of voting. But when we look at likely voters who are likely to vote, I think the consensus is that there's probably you know twenty five percent on both sides that are just hardcore partisans and are going to vote for their team no matter what. And then there's, and maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's 40% on both sides. And then there's like a 10% in the middle of, of nonpartisan or independent other parties or, um, uh, you know, unaffiliated voters. And I, there's, you know, there's always undecideds from all parties that they wait to know. But I think, I remember this discussion on a recent episode of 538 about when do undecideds decide. And I think Nate Silver was like, I mean, on election day, right? Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's when they vote. And I, you know, I'm sure, you know, the campaigns will run tracking polls as we get closer, like that last week or two to be tracking the last minute fluctuations. But I think for Oklahoma, for the governor's race and maybe, maybe for the unexpired, Senate race of uh, Horn versus uh, Mullen, I think those might be very close. In which case, turnout matters, and it might come down to which side gets more folks to turn out. I mean, that's true. You know, the the strategy is really interesting because, and I think Ben pointed this out as well. Maybe not. I don't. I don't remember. You know, it's interesting that when when you see. When you see a candidate like Governor Stitt training his fire on somebody other than his opponent, conventional wisdom would tell you that means he doesn't see them as a threat, right? Right. I'm not going to spend my dollars attacking Joy Hoffmeister because I don't think that I need to, right? What I need to do is gin up support among the people who are going to vote for me. Right. And the way to do that is do the, you know, highlight things that piss them off. Right. Like the fact that Joe Biden is president. Right. Well, right. Because a lot of Republican voters might be, might be more upset about Biden than they are upset about their, the, the democratic opponent here in Oklahoma. Right. right. Um, but it also, cause the other thing is that that tells you is that, he doesn't need to use his campaign resources creating distance between himself and Joy Hoffmeister because I would bet that according to their internal polling, that distance is already there. What's interesting is that Governor Stitt, at least according to the most recent polls that I've seen, is still well underwater in terms of his favorability and unfavorability, mm-hmm. right? Like less than 50% of people approve of his uh, uh, approve of his job performance, I believe, um, that more people feel like the state is headed in the wrong direction than the right du- than the right direction. Um, <clears throat> his support for re-election is not that high. It's just that when you look at Joy Hoffmeister, all those numbers for her are still worse. 
Yeah. Right. Well, right. and that'll be and, interesting, right? Because and I saw that she highlighted this, or her campaign highlighted this data point again the other day that in 2018 that she received 43,000 more, more votes, votes than he did. Yeah. Than he did, yeah. which is significant, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so, I mean, there is certainly the chance that we will see some voters who voted for Hoffmeister in 2018 that are now right. voting for Stitt. I mean, that tells you there's a bunch of people that voted for her that did not vote for him. Right. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll be curious to see, I mean, it'll just be interesting to see like what the electorate looks like after the election, um, and what turnout is, but it really could come down. And also I think Scott, something to highlight here is that the democratic candidates for governor, for both U S Senate seats and for state superintendent and for labor commissioner, maybe that's it, but they're all women. Right, yeah. like that's the first yeah. time in state yeah. history that's happened, and they're not all. I mean, be honest I mean, with you, one. It would be. I mean, Leslie Osborne is a Republican in yeah. that mix. Like she's um, not the only one there, and obviously Stephanie Bice is um, running for Congress uh, for re-election. But that's a a pretty big ticket for the Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I do. I think that I think that both the Senate race and the governor's race could could be close. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to be in doubt. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think, I think if marijuana and we don't know yet from the Supreme court, but I think if marijuana uh, makes it on the ballot, um, then, then it could. And I think in jump in here, if I'm wrong, as I understand it, constitutionally, it is pretty clear. Marijuana should be on the ballot. This general election, if it is not on the ballot, it's not going to be because the Constitution says it doesn't have to be. It's going to be the, the Supreme Court of Oklahoma says, well, we're not going to abide by that. We're going to give you a pass and say you can put it on the next election because it would make printing ballots inconvenient. Well, yes and no. And we talked about this in our, I guess, our last episode. Uh, Michelle Tilly from the Yes on 820 campaign was here. And you know, right now they're waiting for the end of the challenge period. Which is in like three more days or something? It's on the 15th. Okay. And so if they get a challenge, I think there's a better argument to say, well, we've got to work through this challenge. However, the challenge would be about the signatures, which the state has already Verified, validated. Right. So like the challenge could be there's not enough valid signatures to which the, I think the state would have to say, yeah, we already... We already count. We already looked them up. Like we know they've got enough. We hired somebody to come in and validate them. That's right. We, <laughs> we paid three hundred thousand dollars of your tax money <laughs> to validate the signatures. Yeah, to Sooner Poll to tell us that these are already valid. So, um, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I think. I mean, the other thing, and this is what you know, they said last week is uh, or two weeks ago is that when the Supreme Court issued their statement a few weeks ago, they said, "Well, we're not going to say anything until after the challenge period." But they very well could have just dismissed it then, yeah. and they didn't. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there's that could be a positive sign. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't want to jinx it. Well, either I mean, way. The other thing is, there's something unique uh, about this. I th- I think that this is the first time. Um, this is the first time hearing this kind of question. Um. The Supreme Court has a majority of appointees. Um, are either ours or were appointed by Governor Stitt. Yeah, both. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, he's appointed a majority of them now. I, I'm pretty certain. The other thing that you know, I don't know 
I haven't looked at polling on this, but clearly, based on the data, it's not just Democrats that smoke weed. Uh, fact. <laughs> fact. And so if you go to any rural town in Oklahoma, there are plenty of dispensaries and plenty of, uh, you know, red-blooded Republicans who are smoking that ganja. You know, interesting. Interesting fact. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say fact. I'll say observation. I mean, it is a factual observation. Um, <laughs> have you ever uh, have you ever spent any time on a biz buy sell? Um, not much. Just just what you've sent me in yeah. the last couple of weeks. So this is uh, this is an interesting website where you can go and um, you can just peruse businesses that are for sale. These are people that are seeing them. They might be selling uh, might be selling uh, interests and in oil and gas wells. They might be selling. Uh, you know, a dry cleaning shop that might be selling there. There's everything on there from, you know, uh, a rental property that's for sale to uh, an oil and gas lease that's for sale to um, I was looking the other day. I'm not going to buy this to be clear. There's a manufacturing plant for sale for about 18 and a half million dollars. Looks like it'd be a pretty solid investment. Um, what would you if, manufacture? If, uh, it's some kind of, some kind of widget, something, um, but it's but if anybody out there you got to spare twenty million, there's a, a manufacturing plant with your name on it. Um, but when you look at Oklahoma businesses specifically, the number of dispensaries or uh, weed shops or grow operations that are for sale uh-huh. is just astounding. I, I mean, it's imagine. like every other listing is something in the cannabis industry. Um, that's interesting. One of them, a dispensary closed by my house. I didn't know that was allowed. I've only seen them open. I didn't know they <laughs> right, could close. Right. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe marijuana is not a bubble that's going to bust. I think it tends to be. But um, I mean, I think I, I keep thinking we've reached like peak peak weed, right? Not, not, not if it gets legalized. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, it depends if they institute. I mean, they already put a cap on business licenses and those. Yeah. So, like, there is an uh, actual limit. And I could see. I mean, if you're a business owner and you grew it and you're looking around, you're like, well, I better get out while the getting's good. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm also interested. Like, I, I've talked to some of my friends about this measure. And people that I thought would be supportive were kind of not unsupportive but just dismissive really um, why because they're like we already have legal weed i was like no i mean we don't and they're like but we kind of <laughs> do we do i mean the only thing between you and weed is a 25 dollar thing and then your 100 dollar license fee right yeah. like yeah and that's not insurmountable when you're about to drop some money on on weed anyway and so i think i was like well that's true but tourism we weed tourism is a thing I mean, yes. In fact, on Broadway Extension, there's a hotel that got purchased, and it's like now it's called Hotel 420. And I've read about, I googled sure. this, and this is like a thing in other states too, sure. like going somewhere where you can just like smoke weed and hang out. Which sounds silly, but also wine country is a thing, and the and the you know you and I would love to go to Kentucky, the ter- the terroir of weed, Oklahoma grown weed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something there. The Bourbon Trail. That's right. Chris, no, so, I mean, so now, now you're telling me that instead of living on the bourbon trail, you and I live on the weed trail? We do. I live, I 100% live, I, you know, I live near 23rd May, and it's just fried chicken and weed joints pretty much. Is I mean, where got. you have one, you have the other, I think. I, that, I, I would think that's the case, but I don't know. They are opening, though, a drive through salad shop at the corner of 23rd and Penn. They say the munchies are a thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. So anyway, I'm interested to see um, if this if this thing makes the ballot. And, and again, uh, how many people are going to be motivated to come out? If they're all high, they might not want to get off the couch. Uh, that's, uh, that is a good point. Have you, so we talked a little bit about commercials earlier, but let's talk about field operations. I don't feel like I've seen the volume of folks knocking doors this year like we've seen in the past. Do you think it's just too early? I think, I think it's, I think it's early. I think maybe it's particularly early here in the cities. Um, I know the horn, I know the horn campaign has, a, a very active statewide field operation. They've been really active out in the more rural, um, mm-hmm. the more rural parts of town or the more rural parts of the state. Um, the other thing, you know, I do. I mean, I don't get a ton. I don't get a ton of door knockers where I live anyway. Um, and, and I just, I'm not, I am not someone who's going to get like, no one is going to show up at my door. Cause you're a very likely voter. Right. And like, right? You see my you see my partisan you see my partisan affiliation. The fact that I voted in every election since two thousand and eight, um, maybe before that, I don't remember. Right? But I, I vote in I vote in literally all of them. Um, and if you have access to all that all that information, you can see political donation history. Right. And so any campaign is going to look at me, red or blue, and say, "What did what, what did either if if he's on our side, we don't need to talk to him, and if he's not on our side, there's no reason for us to talk to right. him." Right. And so, um. I think as as campaigns have gotten even ever more sophisticated um, with their data collection, data use, and micro targeting. I mean, you've done door knocks, right? You get a list, and yeah. you don't—they don't just drop you off on Forty Second Street and say, "Knock every door on the street," right? It's go down the street and knock on these houses, right? Right? Yeah. Um, so, and that is interesting. I mean, and in fact, uh, I'll say this: this is a good a good transition. Thank you for the introduction here or the segue, um, listeners. I don't feel like candidate campaigns are knocking doors yet. And even if they are, that's fine. That's up to them. The relationship between a candidate and a voter is transactional. It is different. What we are doing here at Let's Fix This and a whole bunch of other organizations all across the state, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, rural areas, everywhere, we are getting in the civic engagement game in ways that have not been done before. I mean, we are... I don't, I don't mean this as a joke. Like We are quite literally putting together the largest voter mobilization effort that our state has seen, maybe ever. I don't know. Uh, and we're doing a lot of voter registration. Um, you're going to see, if you go to okvotes.org, you can see a list of all the events. I've got several emails in my inbox of additional events to add to that list. So if you want to volunteer and help register voters, Go to okvotes.org and sign up. There's a bunch of them. Click on each one. There's a link that you can go sign up. All the links are different because it's a bunch of different organizations, but we're really trying to kind of just talk to one another and pool our resources. This is not a partisan effort. We don't even discuss partisanship. We discuss registering voters. And, I mean, somewhat making sure that we're both not at the same event, um, or if we are, how we can have one tent and kind of collaborate. But also... There's more to it than just voter registration, right? There is voter mobilization. There's turning out the vote. Get out the vote. GOTV, as they say in the in the political industry. And on October 
1st, that's a Saturday in just a few weeks, we are going to hold, this is going to be Let's Fix This's first day of action we've ever had. Uh, and we're going to knock doors. We're gonna, I need I need 100 shifts, right? So that could be 100 people each working one shift or 50 people working two shifts. However, at least 100. Um, 100 shifts to knock doors. And as Scott just said, you will come meet us um, where we're going to be. We're going to be posted up at, I think, at Elemental Coffee in Midtown, Oklahoma City. Um, we're going to handle kind of Oklahoma County. Someone else is going to handle Tulsa County. Uh, we're looking at Cleveland County, trying to do, you know, somewhat densely populated areas. But you'll come, you'll get your list, um, get your script. We'll tell you where to go, how to do it, to knock doors of the voters who are registered but might need an invitation to vote, a little nudge to say, hey, do you know there's an election coming up? Hey, listen, I'm not here on behalf of a candidate. I'm here on behalf of democracy. I'm asking you to vote. Oh, I need you to turn out. And if that sounds like your bailiwick, if you've never knocked doors before. Nice use of the word bailiwick. Thank you. Um, I had to match your vociferous earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you've never knocked doors before, I mean, hell, even if you have, um, it can be, it sounds scary. And it ends up being really fun, right? I mean, a lot of folks don't answer the door. You can leave a flyer. That's fine. But we want to talk to folks and make sure that they turn out in you know numbers that can make Oklahoma I'll say more competitive but like more representative right because honestly if I'm right and we only have 989,000 people turn out to vote uh, that is barely half of the registered voters and it is a th- only a third of everyone who's eligible to vote in our state. So a, a minority of voters. And that's not the representative democracy that I think most folks think we live in. Right? So anyway, October 1st, um, y- if you're on our email list, you will find out about this again as soon as I write the email. I've got, I think I've got it started. Um, so hopefully this weekend or on Monday, you'll get an email. But right now, if you're listening, you can go to mobilize.us slash let's fix this and the mobilize event is on there so you can sign up to volunteer on there um, or go to letsfixthis.org uh, and you know slash volunteer and sign up for our email list and then you will get the email about it directly as well as some other events we have coming up here soon outstanding well said door knocking I mean I uh, I have a, let's see I think the last time I was door knocking was in 2020 um, I haven't done any yet this year, but uh, it's October first, man. Mark your calendar. It's uh, you know, it's fun. It's um, it it can seem very intimidating, um, you know. And do you get door slammed in your face? Sure. Does that happen often? No. Right. Most of the time, most of the time, people are are happy to talk to you for a few minutes. You know, uh, y- y- if you start by not trying to sell them something, that's a good, you know, you're not, you're not asking them for money, either a donation right. or a buy. So buy something. So that's, a, that's a good start. And you're not representing a candidate right. with this, which is, I think very or a different party. Yeah, or a party. Right. Um, I mean, I, I was telling some people today about this and I was like, I can't wait to knock some doors and people say who you working for and, and tell them like, you know, I'm with, a I'm, do- I'm door knocking for democracy. Right. Yeah. But to see their eyes change where they soften a little bit and they're like, oh, okay. And I really want to ask voters, right? Like, what's the most important 
issue to you this year. And I, I mean, I want them to vote, but I also want to listen to them and find out like what's going on in their life a little bit. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a therapist and I'm predisposed this way, but I think people are sick of people of, you know, politicians yelling at them. A little compassion goes a long way. That's very true. That's very true. And I, I, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, it is like you said, I, you know, you, cause you're a therapist and you know what I do, I tell people all the time, my favorite part of my job is sitting and talking to people. You know, that's what I, that's what I like about, um, about primary care. Um, so I do, I enjoy <laughs> just meeting random people and be like, Hey, Bob, Scott, nice to meet you. Tell me about your voting. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, that's, that comes more naturally, I think for me than maybe it does for some people, but it's, it's like anything else. It's a skill uh, that you, it's a skill that you can learn and you can learn it pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago we were doing voter registration at the sunny days music festival up in Edmond or excuse me, mural festival up in Edmond. And I was ready for lunch. I went over to where the food trucks were not too far from our booth. And I mean, I'd spent the whole morning like asking folks, Hey, are you registered to vote? Are you registered to vote? Hey, are you registered to vote? So I went to the food truck and I ordered a burrito or whatever it was. And the guy was took my order and as he was like typing it in, I said, "Are you registered to vote? Eh, are you registered to vote?" And he was like, "At your current address?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, no, I just moved. I need to update it." And I was like, "He's like, can I go online?" And I said, "Yeah, but I can bring you a form in just a minute." He's like, "Okay." So I placed my order, paid for it, went and got the form, came back, dropped it off, and he, he was kind of busy. And I said, "I'll come back in a couple hours." And he's like, "Okay." So after a couple hours, went back in the middle of the afternoon and got the form from him and, you know, mailed it off for him. And I was like, it wasn't, I mean, the guy's just there selling burritos, but also we get a little business done. That's one thing off of his to-do list, right? So um, I, you know, we've got some new kind of tech tools we're going to be employing this year soon. And one of them is, uh, you know, an app for what's called relational organizing. It's called Reach, um, where you can... You can you can go door to door up and down your street if you want to. You can just use it with your friends. You can, I can look up Scott right here and uh, and go. What through. does it say about me? Uh, I, you know, I, I, let me find out. That's a good question. I know I invited you to be a user on it the other day. <laughs> um, it generally, it's the just information from the voter file. Um, it's really pretty handy, uh, and so you can use it. I mean, you can go like I said door to door and. Um, talk to folks and you can we can put little scripts in here so you ask them specific questions here it is i last reached you three days ago scott it says that you are a voter that's because you're in the voter file indeed and so it's got your contact info um some of this because it matches it with my like i upload my contacts um so i know it has your home address which i'm at right now it has your wife in here um, or anyone else who is registered at this address. So I assume this is a previous owner because mm. it's not someone that lives here now. And then other details. It has your, you know, you have an active registration status. It says you registered to vote. And this is not necessarily the first time, but maybe the first time it was added was in 2008. You know, the county and then your congressional, state senate, and state house districts. What it does not show is your party affiliation because we are a nonpartisan organization and so we don't put that information in here we don't it's can in the you, voter file but we don't we don't get it can you guess my partisan affiliation Andy? i mean i know it <laughs> but um but it's really handy what's cool about this is i can use this app to it's designed for people that are already in your 
contact list. So yeah, your yeah, friends, yeah. your family. So I can text you. I can ask you some questions. I can call you and do it that way. So it's like knocking doors, but with people you already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super because I guarantee, listeners, listeners, I yeah. guarantee you know people who are registered to vote and they don't vote. Fact. They're, don't make them. Don't make them bad. It does make them a target that we can <laughs> we can address, right? They make them a, a, a potential. They are an opportunity for our there state. Go. There you go. They're an, they're an opportunity. <laughs> Not problems, just opportunities. Right? <laughs> I love Channel it. Channel some Gary V in here. I love it. I love it. All right, well, um, Scott. You know, we we intentionally kind of pulled back today to talk about this from a, a high level. Is there anything else on the ground that we need to address that, aside from the uh, pending ballot initiative, that we should discuss? I mean, no. I'm just, you know, my perennial like just rage about this HB eleven seventy five bullshit. Um, you know that we're apparently, you know, it's. Uh, you know, this, I feel like um, you, you've seen a field of dreams, right? When, yeah. Uh, when Ray, when Ray's wife, Ray Kinsella, his wife goes and gives that impassioned speech at the PTA meeting about uh, burning books by Terrence Mann. Um, oh, I forgot about this scene. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's one of the one of the great ones. That's that's how I feel every day right now. We're gonna ban To Kill a Mockingbird. We're gonna ban. I know how the cage bird sings. We're gonna. Ban, I mean, it's. I'm just, waiting for Fahrenheit 451 to show right. up on a band book list because that's right. what the book's about like right <laughs> right i mean it's just and it's just you know it's just i mean it's just remarkable right um um we're we're banning like education um yeah so it's just it's just you know that's really sad and really frustrating and it just it just emphasizes how how important it is that all of us you know all of us show up in november and uh and do our part it, well, that's exactly right. And it is interesting that, you know, we talk about these books that almost all of us grew up reading, whether we wanted to or not, they were assigned, right? Like one of the books on that list that the Oklahoman published of potentially banned books was um, Lord of the Flies, which I didn't personally enjoy. I remember having to read it as like a summer reading assignment for... I don't know anybody who likes that book. Oh, really? Okay, good. We had to read it for AP English. To Kill a Mockingbird, one of my favorites, right? Um so these books that are arguably part of the American ethos, like it has shaped how many of us think and relate to things in the world that are potentially being banned or are being banned. And the, I can't understand how that is possibly viewed as favorable by anybody. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's fear, right? It's fear. And what's remarkable is you know you have like Ryan Walters and these people that are saying we're just trying to we're trying to combat wokeness you know they're trying to well they're calling it pornography right which is right. absurd but what's it's I mean it's kind of the ultimate gaslighting though right because they are trying to like they are trying to control what kids can and can't think what kids do and don't oh, know about right. right what kids right they're what they are accusing what they are what they're what they are accusing others of is what they are in fact trying to do right right like yes the irony of a politician saying teachers can't use politics and tell kids what to read it's like but but you, that, that's, you, what you, that's what you're doing that's what you're doing you're an actual politician doing that right. who's not a teacher who i mean i guess he technically is a teacher but well he uh, was he was like the oklahoma teacher of the year at some point yeah, right like right. i mean apparently i don't know ryan walters apparently many of his former students are just like 
the what the who who <laughs> is this the, man? Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Well, um, I mean, I think I I think that kind of stuff is what I hope that voters see and understand that their vote can matter, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's maybe if we knock doors. I, here's what I I will bet you a beer, my friend. Okay. That if we knock. I don't know, however many, you know, 2,000 doors or something on October 1st, not a single person will say that their number one concern for our state is pornography in school. Because it's not a thing. Fact. Fact. Agree. I'm not going to take you up on that bet because I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Scott, should we wrap up? It's a short episode, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's probably Listeners, uh, with your extra 20 minutes, I have a challenge for you. Think of three friends who you don't know for certain are going to vote. You may think they are, but go ahead and text them here in the next few minutes. Text them right now and just say, hey, you know, the election this year is really important and I just want to encourage you to vote. And if you have any questions about where to go or or how to do it or, you know, what's up with voting in Oklahoma, you can reach out to me. Three people, right? This is called vote tripling. Ask those three people, and when they commit to it, get them to ask three more people. Right? Like, let's we'll multi-level marketing this shit. I love it into a change. We can it. make this happen, but it really it's a pretty simple thing. Just three people, right? I'm going to think about my three. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because that's unfair to them. Scott, you're going to think of three. Oh yeah, I've got you know I've got someone in mind that you and I both know who I think will vote. But I know they're a relatively new voter, and I want to make sure. They are they have a busy life. they got an important job. And it's easy for those folks who might click all the other boxes but would just be like, I don't have time today. Yep, yep, yep. But we you need gotta, them to you vote. Gotta, you got to get all the way to the end. That's right. That's right. Got to play all four quarters. That's right. All right. Uh, listeners, thank you for your time. Scott, thank you for your time. No, man. It's, I think I'm glad we did this outside. I know there was a little bit of background noise, but it's just a – just a gorgeous day. Yeah. You know, I think I only heard two cicadas, too, which is weird for this time of year. You know, it was mid, about about three weeks into July, I wondered if we were going to have days like this again. So, yeah. I remember recording in your in Upper Room Studios at your old house and hearing the cicadas through the walls yeah. because it was so, so loud that year. Yeah. yeah. Many moons ago. Well, listeners, thank you for being here again this week. Uh, don't forget to sign up for our email list and please sign up to volunteer for our day of action and or for many of the um, upcoming voter registration events. Also, on September 20th, we will be, it's a Tuesday evening. Uh, That is National Voter Registration Day, and we're going to be having a West Wing watch party at the Wheeler District uh, I hope the evening is just like this. This kind of weather would be tremendous. Um, have, it'll be a lot of fun. Have we decided on an episode? Did your did that impressive thread that took off? Uh, did that did that help you decide on an episode? It's always nice to see how many Twitter users are fans of the West Wing. I mean, from yes. all parties, right? Yes. Um, I am leaning towards the midterms because oh, very solid. It's very a good episode solid. and. It's the it's the midterms. Yeah, I mean, very solid, it's relevant. Um, so I need to think of a few guests we could have to talk about this, which is tough because we try to be nonpartisan and inherently talking about midterm elections involves partisan ish stuff. Yeah. What a lot of people we would want are either uh, running or working on campaigns. 
Yeah, I was thinking like campaign consultants would be interesting, yeah, yeah. right? So um, maybe we'll, we'll reach out to Skyfire or someone like that and yeah. see what's up. Um, or former electeds that could talk about it from their experience. So, all right, listeners, um, we say all this because, as we say every week, decisions are made by those who show up. And if you haven't got that vibe from this whole episode, you've missed out entirely. So again, uh, I'm gonna hang. I'm gonna hang up now. Go find three friends and text them right now. And then after that, have a good week. <laughs>